Good morning, church. How's everybody doing today? How's everybody doing today? Come on, come on. Oh, God is good, amen? Amen. Good, good, good. Listen, uh, the time, this is not a time. The days that we live in, are. it is not a time to be playing church. It's not a time to just be, you know, in and out. It, you, you need to be all in. You need to know your word. You need to know Jesus. You need to declare what Jesus has said. You need to proclaim and reclaim and take back the territory that the enemy has stolen. We are living in days where it is time for the church to rise up with the authority that has been given by Jesus and to take back the ground that the enemy has stolen. The kingdom of violence suffers violence, and the violent take it by force. And so we as the church, we need to move in the spiritual realm with the sword of the spirit. We need to do battle. We need to uh, be vigilant. We need to be aggressive in the spiritual realm. And then we need to go out with a towel and love in the natural. We need to rise up and be the church in this hour. It's our hour. It's the church's hour. This is the church's finest hour. Jesus came and he established the kingdom of, ho- kingdom of God on the earth, the kingdom of heaven on the earth. He established a beachhead. And ever since then, the kingdom of God has been violently moving forward through those who would pray, through those who would seek God, for, through those who would lay hold of the things that Christ laid hold of us for. And so I just want to encourage you this morning, get into your word, get into the presence of God, be filled with all of the fullness of God and do the mighty exploits that we read about in the book of Acts. I've heard it said that the book of Revelation is the book of Acts for the end time church. The book of Revelation writes out and tells the stories of what the end time church is going to do in the last days. Rise up, be that church. Come on, God's called us to it. Amen? Amen. Amen. Jesus. Jesus. Having a little trouble hooking up here, guys. I don't know. Is that on me? Oh, yeah. Hang on. It dropped the internet. That's on me. Give me two seconds. There we go. Nope, that's not it. There we are. Praise the Lord. Hey, we're in the middle of our Love Does series. Uh, Love does. Love takes action. Love does something. Uh, This sermon series is entitled uh, after a book by Bob Goff. The book is called Love Does. The cover looks just like that, hence all the balloons. It's a party. We're having a party. Uh, But it's inspired by words uh, directly from the Word of God. God told us to love one another. Jesus said, love one another as I have loved you. Love always takes action. The Bible, one of the most memorized Bible verses in the whole Bible, for God so loved the world, come on, you know it, that he what? He He did something. He didn't just love us and let us go. He loved us, and because he loved us, He gave. 
He did something. He gave his only begotten son, Jesus, whom when we believe in him, we have the rights to eternal life and to live with God here on the earth. Amen? Amen. Love does something. Love should always move us to action. Love does not, love that does not move us to action, it dies unborn. Love isn't just a feeling. Love is, if love is just a feeling and it never moves us for, to action, did we really feel the feeling at all? Was it really true? Love should always move us to action. Amen. This morning's message um, is entitled, Perfect Love Casts Out All Fear. And so as we talk about love and love does and the fact that love does things, one of the things that we need to know about love is that love casts out fear. Love has the ability to destroy fear, to destroy it. If something's destroyed, if it's cast out, it's not there anymore. It doesn't exist anymore. Love has the ability to make fear not exist anymore. We don't have to live in fear. We're, we should not, as Christians, we should not live in fear. We should not be afraid. Over and over again throughout the Bible, we are commanded. The most frequently given command in all of the Bible is do not fear. Why did God give us that commandment so many times? Because he knew that as our, in our human state that we would have the tendency to be afraid, that we would have the tendency to fear. And so God says, do not fear. And then he goes one step further. The word says, perfect love casts out all fear. This is directly from scripture. This title is, it's a direct quote from scripture. Perfect love casts out all fear. And so on top of telling us to not fear, then God loves us with perfect love so that when we receive it, we don't have to fear. Amen. Oh, glory to God. Let's pray. Father, we thank you in Jesus' name for today. God, I thank you for this sermon series. God, we thank you for your perfect love poured out in our lives that ro rolls over us, God, that casts out every fear that might enter into us. God, we give you glory and honor and praise for who you are and for what you've done. We thank you, God. We thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen, amen, amen. Hey, one family note before I continue in the message today. We want to just welcome Daniel Smith with us this morning for the very first time. Yeah. Little baby Daniel. Amen. Amen. So here's the scripture. It's 1 John 4, 17 through 19. Love has been perfected among us in this, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment. Because as he is so are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. Perfect love casts out fear because fear involves torment. But he who fears has not been made perfect in love. We love him because he first loved us. <clears throat> when we have something to do that we're afraid of, we want someone we love to be there with us. It makes it easier, right? How many times do you have to do something and you're afraid, you're scared, and just having someone with you that you love that 
maybe they've been through it before, you know, it makes it a lot easier. We, we don't have to fear. We're not as afraid. When our kids um, were first learning to drive, okay, they had their licenses at this point. Um, and they got a ticket, and they had to go to court, right? That can be a fearful thing. And so we, as their parents, as loving parents, we escorted them to court, right? Here's the potential for something to, that's going, that's going, we're going to be very afraid of, right? I've never been in a courtroom before. I've never stood before a judge before. I've already gotten the ticket, and that was scary. And now I've got to go to court. And so we would take our kids to court when they got their ticket, at least the first one, you know? <laughs> at some point. <laughs> uh, you're on your own, kid. Uh, good God, love it. Yeah, so we would take them to court with them for the first time. One time we were actually uh, in Florida when one of our kids had to go to court for the first time with their ticket, and Fred uh, went with our, with our child. Thank you. Fred is just such a great guy. So loving. You know, or, you know, other things that we could fear. You know, when you inadvertently bring your large pocket knife to Disney World and security won't let you in with that. And now you've got to go into the back room with security to secure your knife, your extraordinarily large pocket knife that grandpa gave you. And <laughs> I don't know why it's in your backpack as we go to Disney, but okay. Probably for the same reason that um, there's three or four knives in someone's backpack when they go, one of my children's backpacks when they go to get on a plane. Are you on the no-fly list yet? I'm, I don't understand. <laughs> oh, Lord. But you escort your child into that back room. You go with them. I don't want you to be afraid. There's nothing to be afraid here. Okay, you, maybe you shouldn't have brought that here, but we'll just secure it with security, and then we'll come back and get it later. It's all, it's all good. I know that you weren't trying to harm anybody. There's nothing to be afraid of. Why do we go to visit people in the hospital or go to visit people you know, when they're in prison? Because there's a tendency to be afraid. And when those that we love are with us, it reduces the fear. It helps to alleviate the fear. Love casts out fear. Perfect love casts out all fear. And so we need to be in this place where we are filled with love and we will not fear. Perfect love comes only from God, right? I told you a few different stories about us loving our kids and different things that we did for our children, but perfect love comes only from God. Perfect love casts out all fear. Perfect love only comes from God. But the glorious thing is that God will never leave us nor forsake us. No matter where we go in all the earth, God is always with us. And so his perfect love is always washing over us if we're open to receiving it. So at no point in our life do we ever have to fear anything that will happen. Amen? Amen. All right. I want to break this scripture down line by line. I want to start at the beginning. I want to work through everything that it says because there's a lot here. 1 John, the whole, the whole book of 1 John is a treasure trove of love. It's a treasure trove of understanding what it means to love, of understanding what love does, what love looks like, and how we are to love. 
And so I want to take this one portion of Scripture, these three lines of Scripture, and I want to break them down, and I want to look at every single part of it. 1 John 14, 7, the first half, A, says this, Love has been perfected among us in this, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment. What's the day of judgment? The day of judgment is after you die. Love has been perfected among you in this, so that when you die and when you go to heaven, you can stand before the throne of God with boldness. This is, this is a revelation to me that I've had many years ago. Uh, 1 Corinthians 4, chapter 5 says, Therefore judge nothing before its time until the Lord comes who will bring both to light the hidden things of the heart, the hidden things of darkness, and reveal the counsels of the heart. Right? So we're pretty afraid at this point. Right? God's going to come, and in this day of judgment, he's going to reveal every single thing that's in your heart. And then the end of the scripture there in 1 Corinthians 4 or 5 says, and then each one's praise will come from God. And so we come back to this point that because we have been perfected in love, we don't have to be afraid when we go to stand before the throne of God, before the judgment seat of Christ, before the judgment seat of God. We don't have to be afraid if we've been perfected in love. It brings us back to the point, have we been perfected in love? Have we allowed love to have its way in us and transform us to the point where when we die, we're not afraid? One of the greatest fears that we have as human beings is death. The only thing that's greater, the only greater fear that we have than death is public speaking, which doesn't make sense to me, but that's okay. I get it. <clears throat> But death, we have to understand that death is a doorway that leads to eternity. Death is the doorway that enters us into eternity. There's only one way to get to heaven currently, and that's by dying. Eventually, Jesus is going to return on a cloud, and he'll take all of us there with him. But that's a one-time event, and it hasn't happened yet. And so until that happens, the only way for us to get to heaven is to die. That's how we get to heaven. That's how we get to eternity. Paul says in 1 Philippians that he would rather be in heaven with Christ. Paul's in prison, and he says, I don't know whether the situation that I'm in, he's writing this, this letter to the Philippians, and he says, I don't know whether the situation that I'm in, whether I'm going to live or whether I'm going to die. But I'm here to tell you, and I'm going to write you in this letter, that I would rather die and go and be with Christ. But, and he writes this, but I really don't think that's going to happen because you need me here. And so God's going to keep me here for you, and I'll be just as happy to do that. But I'd really rather be there. Do we understand this? Do we grasp this reality? Is this a reality in our life that I would rather be in heaven than here walking on the earth? Is it? Is it? I'll be honest with you. Within the first six months, maybe four months, of me being saved, this scripture, this reality became a reality in my life. This, this idea, this understanding that heaven is a better place and we all really want to be there and we would rather be there became a reality in my life within six months of me being saved. Changes the way you live. What do I have to be afraid of? What are you going to do? Kill me? You're doing me a favor. 
I'd rather be there. Now, not to the point where I'm going to, you know, kill myself. I don't want to do that. God has me here for a certain time. He has me here to do certain things, and I want to fulfill all that God has for me to do. I want to fulfill all that God has for me to do. I want to fill all, not just some. Listen, I don't know who you are. I don't know what the call of God is upon your life, but God has something for you to do, each and every one of you. You may not be called into the full-time ministry. That's fine. God still has something for you to do. You might be a marketplace evangelist. You might have the gift of helps. You might have a gift of mercy and be supposed to be out there helping people. Go and do what God has called you to do. And put your all into it. Don't do it halfway. There's no halfway in the kingdom of God. If you're halfway in the kingdom of God, you will, be, you will live the worst life. You will never be happy if you're living halfway. If you're living halfway in the kingdom and halfway out of the kingdom, you're going to be the most miserable person I know. You get all the way in and you're fully dedicated and giving yourself over to God, you will be the happiest person I know. And if you dwell outside in the world, you're, just, you're not going to be happy. You won't be as miserable as the person who's living halfway, but you're not going to be happy in the world. You have to get fully in with God. When we die and we stand before God, we can have confidence when we stand there because God loves us. Because God's love comes to transform us. God's love comes to perfect us. God's love comes to bring us to a place where he wants us to be. 1 John 4, 17b, second half. Because as he is, so are we in this world. Love has been perfected among us in this, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment. Because as he is, as God is, as Jesus is, so are we in this world. As he is, not as he was, right? How is Jesus? How is he now? Where is he now? He's seated in heaven. He's seated at the right hand of God. He is seated with God in the heavenly places. He has, he has been given authority over everything. As Jesus is, so are we in this world. We have the authority of Christ. The same power that raised Christ from the dead dwells on the inside of me. Come on. It's here. It's ours. This is who he is. This is who I am. This is what he's got. This is what I've got. These things belong to God. These things belong to me. All of the resources of heaven are at our disposal when we enter into walking in the will of God. There has never been a city too hard for Jesus. There has never been a heart too hard for Jesus. There has never been a situation too difficult for Jesus. There's never been a, a, a sickness that he can't heal. There's never been a, a, a heart that he can't heal. There's never been an emotion that he can't heal. There's never been anything that God can't do. First John chapter 4, verse 18, there is no fear in love. But perfect love casts out fear. If we find ourselves in fear, if fear is a predominant thought in our minds, then we need to get ourselves to a place where we are engaging the love of God. 
It's when we engage the love of God, when we actively are receiving the love of God that will come to a place where we do not fear anymore. A recent article in the Washington Post stated that there is a direct correlation between talk TV and fear. Surprise, surprise, surprise. If you watch more TV than you read your word of God and spend time with God, then you're going to be in fear. You know, back in the 70s, it, was, it, was, it became known that newscasts had this theory behind what they would show on TV, and it was, if it bleeds, it leads. Right? How many of you remember that? Some of you old-timers? Anyone? Class? Anyone? <laughs> if it bleeds, it... There's a Ferris Bueller reference there. Nobody got it. <laughs> Praise the Lord. If it bleeds, it leads. And why do they do that? For ratings. It's changed a little bit since then. MTV, Nickelodeon, and that conglomerate, there's many um, channels that are all grouped together. At their headquarters, over the door, there's a phrase that says, from cradle to grave. And what is their goal? Their goal is to influence you from the cradle to the grave. One of the greatest ways that they can influence you is by causing fear in your life. Now, I don't know, I don't know that the new slogan for the news, I'll, I'll call them media, I don't know that the new slogan for the media is create fear in them so we can control them, but it seems that way. I don't know that that's their new slogan, but it seems that way. If we can make them fear, we can control them. When you are afraid, you are oppressed. Isaiah 54, verse 8 says, You will be far from oppression, for you shall not fear. See, fear leads us to oppression. Fear leads us to being controlled. When we are afraid... Suddenly, we'll do whatever we have to do so that that fear is relieved. But when I'm not afraid, I don't have to do what anybody says because I'm not afraid. You can't control someone who's not afraid. Watch this. Courage doesn't remove fear. Right? So many times we think of fear and we think, if you're afraid, you need to have courage, right? Right? And you do, right? Courage is not the absence of fear. Courage is the decision that something else is more important than fear. Right? Courage says, I'm afraid and I'm going to do it afraid. That's good. Courage is good. We need to be courageous. How many times in Joshua? Seven times in Joshua chapter one. Be only thou very courageous. God says to Joshua, be courageous. Listen, you're entering the giants, right? You're going in after these guys. Be courageous. Sometimes we just need to have courage. Sometimes there may be reason to fear. Sometimes there may be reason to be afraid. We just need to have courage. We need to do it afraid. Courage doesn't remove fear. Courage isn't the opposite of fear. The opposite of fear is faith. The opposite of fear is faith. Fear 
is the expectation that something bad is going to happen. Fear isn't something bad has happened. Fear is something bad may happen. I believe that something bad is going to happen. That's fear. Faith is the expectation that something good is going to happen. Or, Romans 8, 28, or that God will work all things together for good for those who love him and are called according to his purposes. So when we live by faith, we will not live by fear. We won't do it. We can't do it. You can't live by faith and by fear. I think that this is really why God said over and over and over and over and over again to the point where it's the most frequently given command in the Bible, do not fear, because we can't live by faith if we're living by fear. You can't exist in both worlds. You're either going to live by faith or you're going to live by fear. Sometimes, and I do this often, sometimes I think in extreme situations, right? You take, you take an idea, the opposite of faith is fear, and now you put it into an extreme situation and it all makes sense. If somebody was holding a gun to my head, right, there's reason to be afraid. I could die. I have two choices in that moment. I can be afraid or I can have faith. I may die. I've already told you, that's not the worst equation in the world for me. <laughs> I mean, you'll all miss me. <laughs> I'm sorry, but really, uh, you know, I won't miss you. I, honest, I'm going to be in heaven. I'm going to be before the glory. I'm not being funny. I mean, it's very funny. You'll all miss me, right? It sounds kind of cocky, but it's not. See, because the reality is I'll be in the presence of God, and I won't even know. I'll just be like, where did everybody go? Why am I the only one here? I mean, there's thousands of others, but... And then you know, surely, slow, slowly and surely, uh, you guys will just start popping up alongside me. Hey, there's so-and-so, there's so-and-so, there's so-and-so. They're all here with me now. Before you know it, because it's eternity, we'll all be there together. Right. Glory to God. It sounds like a wonderful equation to me. <laughs> or I can fear, I can be afraid. Oh my God, I might die. Oh my God, what'll happen? Oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. You have two choices. You can be afraid or you can have faith. Our natural inclination in many situations may be to fear. But faith says no matter what might happen, God will work this together for good. You know what? This is a miserable situation, but God is in it. I know God is in it. I don't know how he's in it. I don't know what he's doing in it, but God's in it. And God's going to work this together for good. You know, if this is not just um, positive thinking. This is not rose-colored glasses. This is faith. This is faith. I just believe. You know what I believe? 
I have a tendency to believe the word of God. I believe what the word of God says. It says that God loves me. It says that he's prepared a place for me. It says that I'm going to go and I'm going to have joy, inexpressible joy when I'm in heaven. It's going to be a place. Come on. I can't wait. I choose to believe the word. I choose to believe it. I trust it with my whole heart. Every word. It's not, this is not faith. Listen, faith is not just positive thinking. It's not just rose-colored glasses. It's not just saying like, oh, everything's going to be okay. No, I believe God, and I believe that God will work for me. It's faith in him. It's, I will consider it pure joy when I come into various trials because I know that the testing of my faith develops perseverance so that it'll be, have its full work, and I may be mature and complete, perfect, the NIV says, lacking nothing. This is how we come to a point of being perfect in God's love, by receiving his goodness. When you live by faith, watch this. When you live by faith, the result of living by faith for extended periods of time is joy. <laughs> when you live, guys, when you live in fear and you're constantly afraid, right? You will be stressed. You will have anxiety. You will have hypertension. They will give you blood pressure medication. I'm telling you, you, if you are constantly afraid, you will come to a place of anxiety. If you are constantly in faith, the opposite is true. You will come to a place of joy. I, it's, it, this is good. You're flat tired. This is good. God's in this. Watch this. God's in this. We get pulled over. We're at the garage. Who knows? I don't know. Maybe we leave the, leave the, 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 the tire changer guy to the, to the Lord, or we hop back on the, the road, and there's a 40-car pileup that we would have been in the middle of, but now we avoided it because God is good. God gave us a flat tire. God's good. Never underestimate what God might be doing in your circumstances to keep you from harm, or to bring you to a place where you're an, uh, an agent for his kingdom. Yeah. Yeah. We are always agent for the kingdom of God if we are mindful to give God our time. We're in such a hurry to get there that we forget that we're supposed to be here. Yeah. When you live by faith and you live in faith, it will produce joy in your life. It will produce. It must. It has to. There is no other option. Live by faith. It produces joy in your life. You will be joyful. You will be filled with joy. Trials come. Listen, I can't figure out God. God's way smarter than I am. I can't figure out what he's doing. I just know that I'm going to choose joy because he said so. I'm going to choose joy because I choose to believe, Romans 8, 28, that God works all things together for good. I'm going to live by faith. I'm going to believe what the Word says. I'm going to believe what the Word says. I cannot figure this out. I don't know how God's going to do it. I don't need to know how God's going to do it. This is where faith comes in. This is where faith comes in. We have to believe. God, it's not called a walk of understanding. We don't have to understand everything that's going to happen. It's called a walk of faith.
When the love of God comes, fear can't stay. 1 John 4, 18b, it says, because fear involves torment, but he who fears has not been made perfect in love. Fear leads to anger. Anger leads to hate. Hate leads to suffering. Fear is the path to the dark side. Fear leads to anger. Anger leads to hate. Hate leads to suffering. Fear is a path to the dark side. Young Skywalker. has a terrible Yoda voice. Yeah, I, I know. I just had to let you know that. I know that it was terrible. <laughs> some I can do, some I can't. I can't do that. We're, you know, you read, the, you read the Bible, you watch movies, and you're like, oh, that, they get that from the Bible. They get that from the Bible. They get that from the Bible. They get that. There is nothing new under the sun, Ecclesiastes says. If it has been told, it'll be told again. <laughs> Just change the names and the characters and the dates and the times and the places. Glory to God. God never wants us to be in fear. Perfect love comes so that we do not fear. Fear involves torment. God doesn't want us there. God wants us in a place where we do not fear. We may go through suffering, but we will never be in a place of torment. There's a difference, I assure you. We should not fear. If we have fear, we need to find a place, we need to find a way to get into God's love. We need to not fear. God will receive you however you come. When I pray out of fear, I come as a servant, not as a son. When I pray out of fear, when I'm afraid and I pray, I take the mindset and the position of a servant. When I pray the same prayer or I pray for the same thing from the position of being loved, from the position of being a son, it's a much different prayer. It's a much, much different equation. Back before my wife and I uh, ran the nursery, my dad owned and ran the nursery, and, and I would work for my dad. I, I did work for my dad. And we would hire other people to come and work with us. And those other employees would ask me and say, hey, do you think your dad will let me do this? No. Do you think your dad will let me do that? No. I think we should do it this way. No. My dad doesn't want it done that way. No. <laughs> you can't do it that way. Why? Because that's what my father wants. It's his business. He's the owner. I'm his son. I've been working with him. I've lived with him all of my life. I'm telling you, you're going to plant it that way, and he's going to come and rip the bush out of the ground and make you plant it again. Don't do it that way. Come on, I want to get out of here at some point today. It's just the reality of the situation. Employees, servants, see, we can translate servant to employee. Son is still son. They can ask my father for things, and they can say and propose different ideas, but they don't understand the heart and the mind of the father. But a son knows and understands and sees, so much so to the point that the son can be entrusted with everything 
fills my heart. Good stuff. I'll say that just one more time. When I pray out of fear, I come as a servant, not as a son. How many of you know that when we pray servant prayers, sometimes we get the answer we're looking for and sometimes we don't. God will still answer you as a servant. But a lot of times when we pray as a servant, we're not praying the right thing. We're not asking the right questions because we don't understand the heart of the Father. But when I pray as a son, when I pray as a son, beloved son of the Father, behold the love that God has lavished upon us, that we are children of God, that I am a son or a daughter of God. When I pray as a son, I understand what the Father is doing. I get it. What's God doing today, right now, in this hour? What's he doing? The sons know. If we have fear, we need to be made perfect in God's love so that we will not fear. And so the only question now becomes, how do I get God's love? A couple real simple equations. First one, ask God for it. How many of you want more of God's love? The rest of you backslid. <laughs> At this point, you should all want more of God's love. How many of us want more of God's love? Ask God for it. Ask, ask. The Bible says you have not because you ask not. Ask. God's, God's a good God. He likes to give good gifts to his children. Yeah. Matthew tells us, how many of you, if your son asks you for a fish, he'll give him a snake, or if he asks for bread, we'll give him a rock. If you then, being natural, evil, actually, Matthew says, evil, you being evil know how to give good gifts to your children. How much more will God give to you? Come on. God is, God is willing and waiting and working and wanting to give you more of his love than you want right now. Absolutely. <clears throat> Ask him for it. Ask him for it. Spend time with God. Get into his presence. Read his word. Pray. Worship. Whatever it is. Whatever it takes. Listen, <clears throat> excuse me. We need to tune our ears to listen. How many of you know that part of prayer is listening? Prayer is communication with God. So when I communicate with my wife, I don't just talk incessantly and not listen. I speak and then I listen to what she says. And then I might respond to what she says. I don't react. And then she speaks again, and we have a conversation. I listen, and I understand, and I respond to what she has said. So there is an interaction, and it's the same way with God. There is this communication between God and us. I love the stories in Acts where we see these uh, even... Um, we see them talking with God. Go to the street called Straight. You'll find a man named Saul. He is a chosen vessel of mine. Uh, who is it? Uh, Ananias responds and says, but Lord, I've heard much about this man. He's done much harm. He's killed many saints. God responds and says, yeah, but he's a chosen vessel of mine, and I must show him what he must suffer for my name. For even now he waits for a man named Ananias. Go to this house and that. Okay, Lord. There's a conversation here. 
Ananias heard what God said. Ananias responded to God. God responded to Ananias, and Ananias listened once again. And then Ananias responds and says, okay, I'll go. Fine, don't have to twist my arm. The more we are with God, the more we will feel his love. We all have people in our life that we love, right? What happens when we're not with them? Absence makes the heart grow fonder. To a point, and then it be, you begin to doubt. You begin to not feel that love. Yeah. I know that my wife loves me. And yes, when I'm away from her, I know that I long to be with her again. It makes my love grow deeper, but I don't feel her love when I'm away, unless she's sticking notes in my suitcase, <laughs> which she's done. The more we're with God, the more we feel his love. Read the word. The word is, just reveals line upon line, line upon line, line upon line. For God so loved the world that he did something. He gave his only begotten son. Love gave. Number two, right? So the first thing we can do is we can ask God. Number two, <clears throat> love others. We get more love from God when we love others. This works two ways. We have uh, 12 planters around our house. We used to run a garden center, so you know, now we go out in the spring and we buy some nice flowers, we put them all around. We've got about 12 planters out around on our deck and patio and stuff. And so I go out to water in the morning, and I have to do it before I put on my, my shoes to come to church because you get wet. Even sometimes your pants get wet. So when you're watering these plants and you're putting plants on the, water on the plants, some of it's getting on you. Love works the same way. Well, you can't give love away without getting some back in return, just in the act, just in the act. And then what happens, what happens, yeah, you get, you get it all over yourself. Some of us are better at watering than others. When we would, <laughs> oh, Lord. When, when we had the greenhouse business and we had to water for like an hour or two in the morning, you know, you would wear uh, the big boots. The, the ladies would wear flip-flops. Couldn't do that. Couldn't do it. But you'd come out of that greenhouse, and you'd be wetter than the plants. You know, your toes have wrinkles on them because it's, you've been watering for two hours, and you got most of the water, it seemed. Glory to God. Second, when we pour out the love that God has poured into us, we create a space for God to pour in more of his love. If we, the love, here we go again, where love has to do something, it has to be active, it has to move, it has to have a flow. Love that doesn't move us to action, it dies unborn. Love that doesn't turn into action, you stop feeling it. Right? When we're first saved, we're filled with the love of God, and we're like, oh, God loves me. And then we tell somebody, hey, God loves you. And then we get some on us, and, and God's going to fill us again. And, and we go out, and the more we're doing this, the more we're feeling it. But then all of a sudden, we get to a point where who knows why we stop, and we put it in park, and we're not doing anything. All of a sudden, we stop feeling the love of God. Well, it's no mystery here. Number one, you're not pouring out. You can't get any on you. But then you're the, you've stopped the flow, and the love of God can't flow into you, and so it's sitting here stagnant, and you stop feeling it. 
You become too accustomed with it. But if the love of God continues to flow through you, it's new all the time. And you're always feeling more of the love of God. And so we need to get to this place where we're always letting the love of God throw, flow through us in everything we do, with everyone we meet. Loving others is the key to being, one of the keys to being refilled with the love of God. Loving others doesn't have to be complicated. It's not hard. Here's how you do it. Hey, how you doing? You just loved somebody. How many of us want a phone call? How many of us want a friend to call us? All of us. We all want that. How many of us want to feel that, that we're missed? Hey, how you doing? That's love. You just loved somebody. That's not hard. Meet someone for coffee. Hey, you want to grab coffee this week? Awesome. Awesome. Wow. Make a meal for somebody. We all cook all the time, right? Make a meal for somebody. Hey, I made this for you. Why? It's not my birthday. I just appreciate you, man. We don't even have to use the words love if you're, if you're uh, you know, afraid of it. <laughs> I love you, man. I was made popular a time back. Make a meal for somebody. Do unto others as we would have them do unto us, right? That's what Jesus said. What do you want somebody to do for you? Do that for them. Proverbs says, he, he who is friendly will have many friends. We want a friend? Be friendly. This is how you get friends. You, you get it by doing, you get it by mirroring what God has already told you to do. Number three, and I think, I think this could be really important for, for many of us, we need to learn how to receive. I think that many of us, and I, I don't know, I haven't taken a poll or anything, I think that many of us are not good at receiving. Can I get an amen? There we go. I think that many of us aren't good at receiving. We need to learn how to receive God's love. God wants to give us his love, but we don't want to receive it. How many of us like when people help us? Some of us do. Those of us who have, are really tired, we're like, yes, please help me. But there's a large portion of us where we're just like, I don't want him to help me. Because then what? I might have to help him back. <laughs> ah, I don't need anyone's help. It's a pride issue. How many of us are still filled with pride? Or we don't want to take, we don't want uh, to receive because I don't want to owe them anything. You know? I don't want to have to pay them back somehow. No, I'm just, I'm better on my own. No, you're not. <laughs> no, you're not. God created us to exist together. It is not good for man to be alone. And I'm not just talking about you and your wife. God created us to be in community. God created us to be in an extended community where we're in the church, where we're touching one another, where we're loving one another, where when one falls down, someone's there to help them up. This is the church Loving others, we need to learn how to receive. 1 John 4, 19. We love him because he first loved God, loved us. We love him because he first loved God. I did it again. We love him because he first loved us. 
Because God has loved us, it gives us the privilege, it gives us the ability, it gives us the opportunity and the responsibility, if you will, to love him back and to love others. God gives us the privilege to be able to mirror back to him what he's done for us. We love God because he first loved us. He loved us and now we love him and we love others because he gave us command to do so. We love because he loved. It's not even us. Like you don't even have to do it in your own strength. You can't love people, that's okay. <laughs> that's not an excuse. Get a hold of God's love and then you can love people. It's not hard, it's not complicated. We get to love others, we get to love God, and we get to do it well because God does things well. It's his ability working through us. It's his strength, it's his love working through us. We don't work this up on our own. I don't have to muster up the strength. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. If you're here today, you've never understood the love of God, I just want to invite you uh, to understand the love of God. Jesus, God sent Jesus Christ to die on a cross for your sins and for mine so that we would be forgiven, so that we could go to heaven with him after we die and so that we could have relationships, so that we could have fellowship with him here and now on the earth. God did that for you, and he did that for me. If you're here today or you're watching online and you've never made Jesus Christ Lord and Savior of your life, I want to invite you to do that today. Say this prayer with me. Jesus, I am a sinner. I ask that you would forgive me of my sins, that you would come and live inside my heart, that you would help me to live for you all the days of my life. I believe that you died for my sins, that you rose again from the dead, and you are seated at the right hand of God. I ask for your Holy Spirit to come and fill me and be with me in Jesus' name. Amen. If you just prayed that prayer, I want to invite you to check it on your, I'm going to ask you to check that on your Engage card. If you're watching online, check that on your online Engage card, or send me an email at info at redeeminglovechurch.org. I would love to send you some information about what that decision means and what your next steps are. This week, I want to ask you guys to receive God's love. You know, so many of us, are, are, we're bad at receiving. This week, receive God's love. And don't allow fear to control you. If you're in a place of fear, if you have too much fear in your life, take the necessary actions so that you no longer fear. That may include turning off your TV. That may include turning off talk radio. And it may include reading your Bible, being in prayer, being in worship more. And so this week, make sure to not allow fear to control you. Amen? Amen. Amen. Come on up, receive the offering, and we are going to have an awesome time.